0: Welcome to episode 22 of the HoneyBadgerCricket.com podcast. Please visit our sponsor. It's obviously HoneyBadgerCricket.com. And we've got a new sponsor on board this week, Sportstrader1.co.nz. I'm Jim Birchall. Mark Kelly is away this week. He's been putting in the night shift covering the World Cup for Radio Sport. So he just doesn't have the energy to come and sit on the couch. But that's okay because today we've got a very special guest. We've got ICC umpire Wayne Knights. Welcome to the show, Wayne. Thanks, Jim. No worries. How are things? Yeah, good. Enjoying the off-season, are you?
1: Yeah, taking it easy at the moment. Um, having a bit of uh, time to myself, doing a bit of home renos. Yep. Um, and
0: now, you're saying you've got a drafty old villa, have you? Doing a sure. few things around the house?
1: Yeah, just finishing that off, actually. Yep. Um, and then just doing things umpires usually do. Yep. Put a study with the laws and playing editions. Yep um this morning sounds like fun no no not really really (laughs) this morning i did a third umpire simulation session with uh my icc coach for example sure now how do
0: they how do they do a simulation just over then over the internet obviously is it a skype thing how does it work
1: yeah so it's a skype simulation so i can see his screen um he becomes the director and we run through some past clips so he's actually at the world cup at the moment
0: yep um who is the boss of the icc umpire
1: the boss of the ICC. Well, whoever box. the
0: guy you were dealing with anyway.
1: Oh, the, my coach is David Levins. David
0: Levins, okay.
1: Yeah, the, the, the boss is Adrian Griffith yep. um, of the umpires. Is he
0: from the West Indies? He is. He's yeah. an ex-West Indian he was, player. He was an opening batsman, wasn't he? He was. Griffith. yeah, I remember him. Yep. Okay, and they're all based in Dubai, are they?
1: That's right. Well, Adrian is. Uh, the yep. coaches are based around the world, so they all yep. have their own region. So David Levins is, for example, New Zealand, Australia, West Indies. Okay. So he looks after all the international umpires and coaches them.
0: And that, Is he Australian, is, is he? Or? He is, yeah, based in Melbourne. Okay, yep. yeah, excellent. All right, good to have you on the show. Uh, personally, I've just got back from the World Cup. Um, managed to get three games in and do a bit of uh, cricket commentary on guerrilla cricket again, which I enjoyed. Uh, first game up was at the uh, Cardiff. I left from a uh, murky-looking London Uh, at about 7 a.m. in the morning on the train for Cardiff with my mate Greg. Uh, We turned up, the game started, and it was over in three hours. (laughs) So what do you think we did after that? Uh, Went to the pub? Well, we did, but I was a little bit green from the night before. I'd had six or seven ciders because I'd just got into London, you see. So, yeah, it was a slow slow ride back to Paddington, I can assure you of that. (laughs) But, um, yeah, we basically turned up, and, and Sri Lanka were inserted on a on a pitch that was greener than St. Patrick's day and the ball went everywhere, did a bit. We cleaned them up and then Munro and Guptal came out and for once made some runs and and got us there without, uh, well, for a 10-wicket win. So yeah, there was a short day out in Cardiff, uh, which isn't necessarily a bad thing if you have been to Cardiff. Um, yeah, so and anyway, the next game I managed to get in was uh, at the Oval, probably my favorite ground in London, actually. Uh, a lot of people like Lords um for obvious reasons you know the history and so forth and i just i'm not a big fan of the pageantry so much the um the institution I'm, i've always been someone who's a little bit outside that so for me the oval feels a bit more real more cosmopolitan obviously it used to be a um you know area of west indian immigrants and so forth so some of the you know some of the supporting you know got got pretty hectic back in the day especially when the west indies were at their uh, height of their powers uh, so I enjoyed my day at the Oval. It was a bit cold. The weather was a bit moody the whole time I was over there. Actually, it seems to be on the improve from what I've seen on the uh, TV the past couple of nights. Um, Bangladeshi supporters, awesome. Just just into the game, no hostility or anything like that. You know, for people that don't drink booze, they have a lot of enthusiasm. <laughs> what do you put that down to?
1: Oh, just absolute passion for the game. Yep. Completely. Um, yep. I think anyone from their part of the world—India, um, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Pakistan—tower hamlets—they have a complete. <laughs> they <laughs> yeah. just have a complete passion for the game, yeah, through and through.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. It's it is. I mean, I've heard people from the subcontinent describe it as a as their other religion, so to speak, and that really is the case, isn't
1: it? Uh, very much so. Um, I mean, I've heard plenty of stories about um, a lot of. Uh, middle aged men waiting outside hotels just to see their favourite player. Really?
0: Um, which Have you had any middle aged men waiting outside your hotel? No, I haven't. Oh, that's least. disappointing, uh, isn't it? Not really. <laughs> what about groupies? Is there any groupies on the umpire tour? Uh, no. No, it exactly. D- doesn't seem to attract no, them, does it? No, <laughs> which
1: is uh, not necessarily a bad thing.
0: But disappointing, isn't it? You know, after that whole um, uh, Peter Plumley Walker episode, obviously, we'd. Uh, <laughs> had to tighten up tighten up security a little bit around the uh, officials
1: before my time John before my time (laughs)
0: absolutely Um, now being an official obviously you're above reproach because that's how you get involved you know in in the big stuff they don't appoint you to ICC level games unless you're of the utmost character and that sort of stuff do you believe the um, the match fixing you know obviously people have been tried and caught for this in the past (laughs) etc Lou Vincent um, do you believe this sort of thing's still going on um, and what, what safeguards are in place to protect players and umpires from from you know nefarious characters
1: okay well first part of the question if it's still going on um, if it is going on I certainly know nothing about it yep um, good answer and uh
0: are you allowed your cell phone in the changing sheds no you're not uh, so that's not just a players' thing; it's umpires as well. It's
1: everyone. So we've got yeah. an area around the playing, uh, around the dressing room area, which includes the umpires, um, which is called PMOA, mm-hmm. which is players and match officials area. Okay. That's what it stands for. And inside there, there are very few people who are allowed a cell phone. Yep. Um, people like the match referee, um, first aid, and, and they are marked and tagged as such. It's a highly secure area, in that you cannot leave and come back unless you're going onto the field of play. Sure. Um, And in terms of the approach side of things, um, whether players, umpires are approached, um, I mean, I've never been approached myself, but I do know that we get um, very much trained up on what to do if there is an approach made, um, who to contact, um, and how approaches are made. So we are educated on that process. So uh, we are expected to, um, and I'd like to think any umpire would, just to to go to the ICC and say we've been approached.
0: If you've got that level of security around you and you're sort of within a you know safe zone, a bunker kind of thing, how would these guys even approach you? Is this sort of when you're out socially or at the hotel? Or
1: I wouldn't even know. I haven't been no? approached. No, so oh, that's um, that's not fun, is it? No, <laughs> I think um, yeah, probably. Uh, I would imagine away from the ground, coming yep. coming to the ground, maybe the day before or whatever. I don't know um, yep. how it's done, but.
0: pitch and weather information yeah that old chestnut
1: yeah i guess so Um, but
0: do you get to look at the strip the day before or the you know before everyone else does
1: um well the day before we pretty much always go to the ground for a ground inspection okay um it's not just to look at the pitch is
0: that to get the lay of the land or sort of
1: yep just to make sure that um everything's in place ready to go Yep. even down to the site screens are in the right position Third umpire room's all set up, ready to go. We do a bit of testing with that to make sure that's working. Have a look at the pitch itself, talk to the ground staff around the weather conditions. And we'll also have a meeting with the event staff around the actual process of the day, um, what's going to happen outside of cricket. Um, and So we're well informed. We know what's going to happen in the day. We know what to expect.
0: Everyone knows their role, yep. just gets on with things.
1: Yeah, so it's all part of the preparation. Well, At that point, we'll quite often do some role plays on mm-hmm. field. Um, with the coach
0: some acting scenario, well some yeah. scenarios
1: um, and uh, it just sort of gets you into the mood and yep. the actual environment what's an example
0: things. of a scenario
1: um, well a good one that happened last year actually was ironically enough we had um, a couple of of the elite panel guys over um, one of them was Nigel Long and we did a scenario of what we call a double play well, we know we don't have double plays in cricket but
0: be awesome if you did though
1: well yeah, would would be. I've thought of When I used uh, to be T20. involved with
0: Last Man Stands, we had the double play. The The rule's since been uh, rescinded. But it, was, it got quite exciting when guys, one guy get caught in the non-striker would forget that he had to get back to his ground. Yeah. And obviously he could get run out then. So that was good times. But I think they got rid of it because never one liked it. And if you've only got eight batsmen and you lose two in, in one hit, you know, it's... Uh, it's, it's not good. It's a bit of a deal breaker. It's a deal breaker. Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry. So keep going.
1: No, that's all right. So um, we did a, a scenario where there's an LBW appeal. Obviously, it's DRS. So umpire turns it down, and then the batsman run a single. Um, and then there's a run out situation as well. Mm-hmm. So we go through the process. We're going up to the third umpire. Okay, and I won't go into the ifs, and buts, and maybes, but there's a different process as to whether it's the same batsman whether runs would have been scored or not as to whether you do the DRS review first or the umpire review on the run out first mm-hmm. so we went through a whole different bunch of scenarios on that um with lbw run out stumping different batsmen and ironically enough the very next day one of those situations happened was there right so for nigel long yeah he said afterwards when he when it came up to him he was real happy because he just he just <laughs> done it the day before. He knew exactly what to do, so the timing in that case just happened to be brilliant. But
0: yeah,
1: um, you never know when those when those bizarre, strange things are ever going to happen. Yeah, from one ball to the next. And it's the beauty ever, of cricket. Have
0: you ever asked Nigel Long why his name has two L's?
1: Um, no, I haven't.
0: No, well, that's something to do next extra time long. you see him, Not isn't it? Extra, extra long, long. Yeah. exactly. There's something we don't know about yeah. in these secure changing rooms that you were talking about. That's right. Good. Yeah, so anyway, I enjoyed my time at the World Cup and doing a bit of uh, commentary. The, as I said, the weather was moody. It was cold. It wasn't, It wasn't. you know, there's a lot of sleet, a lot of rain, that sort of thing. But hopefully for the rest of the tournament, things won't get uh, weather interrupted. It's a funny time of year in the UK, the start of summer as well. It, it can be pretty moody and temperamental. Um, yeah, as long as the finals, I suppose, uh, are all good, then we're in business. Who do you think is going to make the final? Is a big question? Or well, the top four. Give me a top four.
1: Well, it's not to me. I think um, I think India and Australia are pretty much shoo- shooing for the final itself. Yeah, star um,
0: sports will make that happen. <clears throat> Sorry.
1: Well, no, I certainly <laughs> won't have anything to do with it. As for the other two, um, I'd really like to think New Zealand will make it. Yep. And um, you know, I guess at the moment it looks like either Pakistan or England
0: um, do you think New Zealand are looking a bit more vulnerable after that? Not just because they lost the other night, but but they seem to be steadfast—no pun intended—in not changing their team.
1: Well, you know, I'm not a selector. Um, so but a story came a out point. this
0: morning, didn't it? Another story came out this morning that Gary Stead said, "No, nah, we're sticking with the same team. That's it. There's no flexibility on it. Saying we're on—you know—we're on a roll. It's too late to change the game. The our next game's too big. Obviously, you can see Australians. Um, I just." found that bizarre I thought that we, you got to get these blinkers off I mean we didn't change our team in the last World Cup but it's a bit of a New Zealand tradition isn't it because I think even going back to 92 we didn't we didn't play with the exception of I think one game maybe Willie Watson filled in or something like that but aside from that we're the same 11 the whole tournament and we we went straight through so we're obviously big on continuity and which is important in tournament play but I think if you've got <clears throat> Colin Munro has been much maligned uh excuse me this week um, well not just this week this whole tournament he generally is maligned anyway um, for missing out a couple of times but to me he's just looking like a walking wicket and I don't don't think we can go into another game having a guy who's just looking that vulnerable because Guptor isn't scoring runs either Um, I think there's got to be a change I think Henry Nichols has to play and I think I realise he's been injured but he's available now Um, and he's an experienced player he's been around long enough that he can handle the jandle you know what I mean Tom Latham's looking shaky for me. I'm wondering if they'd look at a, a, a flip with him and Tom Blundell, but who was in good nick in the warm-up games, but hasn't played a game so far in the World Cup, which will count against him. And what if someone pulls a hammy on the, on the morning Tim Southies and bowl a ball in the tournament? Neither is a showdy.
1: No, I think one of the problems I've got right at the moment is that the next two games are Australia and England. Yep. Um, so I think we might, might have dodged a bullet. With India, who knows what what would have happened with that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looks like there's there's a, there's a chance they may just have to win one of those next two games. Yeah. Um. To well, like, if they win one of the next two games, they're definitely through. Um. They but can I suppose it's without. But it's it's now comes pretty critical
0: time. I, th- I think it's a battle, though. Is the status quo the right way to go? Um. You know, or do you actually, if you need to win a game, you can't afford to have the opening partnership failing all the time?
1: Yeah, well, for me, it's a bit of horses for courses, yep. um, is the way I look at things. The way I look at I mean, I'm not a selector, but the way I look at selection of any team is that you've always got a core group, and then outside of that core group, it becomes a horses for courses in terms of let's look at the pitch conditions, let's look at who we're playing, yep. um, how are we going to combat this player or that player, and which players are we going to use to do it, and what's mm-hmm. the plan so um, yeah as I say I'm not a commentator uh, uh, selector I should say but um,
0: not yet because you do get some pretty good insights standing out there don't you
1: uh, yeah. If yeah, selectors come
0: up and ask you things about players, I've had that from time to time when I used to do some umpiring
1: yeah no, we do, um, Gavin Larson is uh, chairman of selectors in New Zealand and yep. there's always uh, some fun debates with him um, he's a good man, we get on pretty well and he does ask questions, as do the other, um, the other guys, having a look at certain players, yep. and they just want to know sort of, you know, how the hows, how, the, how do they react to a situation more so, mm-hmm. um, where's their front foot landing, just things like that, mm-hmm. where it's hard to tell from the boundaries, yep. boundary rope, but, um, and we'll we'll quite happily share information of what we can. So,
0: yeah, yep. oh, that's excellent, cause. You know if a guy's stuttering a little bit in his run up or you know and that's affecting his no balling or he's getting close to the line or he's miles back from the line obviously that just little things tweaks like that can can you know put someone who's bowling trash into you know turn someone into who's, who's getting it right you know putting it in the right areas back of a length and that sort of stuff sure because you know because bowlers sometimes just wake up and get sort of the yips don't they i know that you're a golfer so you're well aware of The yips. (laughs) Maybe not in your game. It's a bit harsh, isn't it? Um, But, yeah, you know, any kind of little correction like that, especially at the elite level, you know, that's going to be noticed. You know what I mean? So someone like you can pass on that intel. Sure,
1: especially with some uh, younger players coming through, I think. Um, And as you say, especially in the bowling department, where you're at at the sharp end, you're closer where the bowler's feet are landing. Mm -hmm. And if they are all over the place and they're a young kid, with some obviously some good potential coming through, um, you know, you are in the right spot. Right spot to perhaps not help them technically as such, but um, mm-hmm. provide some information anyway.
0: Now, yeah, good stuff. Um, just a little bit about you. I think uh, listeners would like to hear. Just wh- when was your first international game? Who was it against? How did it go? Or how did you think you went personally?
1: Um, yeah, it was uh, I can't remember the exact date, but I th- think it was Boxing Day. 2016 yep. um, New Zealand Bangladesh
0: where was it uh, at
1: Hagley Oval, Christchurch, so Christchurch yeah one day game um, it was well, one day debut anyway and then yep. um, yeah I think we're pretty well obviously pretty nervous leading into the game mm-hmm. um, and it was a pretty cold Christchurch day from what I remember <laughs> and about the seventh over Bangladesh bowling went up from LB shout for my end um i turned it down and they pretty quickly reviewed yeah um so that certainly gets the going a bit quicker. who <laughs> was boiling malinga
0: or someone or oh no it was bangladesh sorry it was bangladesh it? yeah I, uh, oh, Rubel or someone or yes
1: yeah. there's one of these spinners i can't remember oh spinner okay um, germination got a little inside edge on it which i, I thought i'd picked up on um, yep. and luckily proven correct <laughs> the only problem with that um i think with the drs yeah, in a situation like that. It's nowhere that, to hide, is it? Well, it's nowhere to hide, <laughs> and it, I, I think it's fantastic for umpiring yeah. because the players just get on with it. But in a case like that, it's a seventh over a fifty over game. They've yeah. lost the review. Yeah. So now, if you have an an incorrect decision against you, they can't have the opportunity to overturn it. Sure. So it actually, at that point, It almost in a way, puts more pressure back on the umpire mm-hmm. to get things right. Yeah. But then you can flip that over and say, well, they lost the review. Um, and it was up to them to review it or not. Yep. So, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> it was an interesting situation. And then Something similar happened in the next innings when they were, when they were batting. Yeah. Um, uh, caught down the leg side, gave gave it out. And he reviewed immediately, and got and showed that it hit the bat and the glove. Yeah. Um, so.
0: So he was out twice effectively. Yeah. And
1: yep. then, so he reviewed it straight away, and that was. Within the first five or six overs, so once yeah. again, we're in the same situation. Yeah. Um, so now What's it was um, it, an interesting experience.
0: Do you, put it this way, just in terms of decision making, when they decide to review it, you're usually pretty confident because you've made your decision that you've got it right. Those doubts start to creep in when sooner someone you know reviews it?
1: Um, I think the c- doubts creep in when a batsman reviews it immediately without yeah. even looking at his mate. Yeah um and you start thinking, wow, it's I've obviously completely missed that yeah um, or it's a really really you know it's a really tight decision yeah um, And I think the biggest difference with DRS is that as opposed to let's say a game of first class cricket yeah where you've got the benefit of the doubt yeah to, to fall back on yeah. you haven't got that with DRS you just sure. have to make a decision it's either in or it's out there's no benefit of doubt anymore. Um, and if you think it's hitting the stumps, even if you think it's hitting the outside leg stump, you give it out. Yep. And the, the, I think the margin of error just narrows right right down.
0: Speaking, um, We were speaking earlier about Nigel Lalong. Um, I remember him giving an LBW uh, of Neil Fahner, Um who was bowling to... I'm just trying to remember who we were playing at the time. Uh, anyway... Down to Vag- Eden. Uh, might have been yeah it was a full toss you know what i'm talking about um and for those who have played the game know that the ball was reverse swinging at the time it had been roughed up yeah reasonably well and nigel long i I assume is a former player um and and would know that and he took that into consideration but our friend drs didn't take that into consideration Mm -hmm. and said that it was missing and to the layman it looked pretty adjacent you know especially if the ball was coming back in his trajectory was the opposite of what DRS had predicted. Now, do you think that was a genuine DRS issue? Or do you think, um, I mean, do you, does it have to take into consideration the fact my, the, the ball was you know reversing and its trajectory was, was going to change as a result of the condition of the ball?
1: Um, well, yeah, I can't talk about that decision exactly. But one thing I do know in talking to the, basically the inventor of um, the system is that where the, he's openly said that where the ball pitches and where the impact is, is 100% correct. Yep. Um, the predicted path is not 100% and can never be 100% because no. it's a predicted there's path. There's too many variables, isn't it? So they use a whole bunch of algorithms to do the very, very best. And he said it's very, very close to 100%. Yep. Um, but just like umpiring, um, there's a human factor involved, even though it's a small human factor. Um, and I think some. Every, every now and then, they do get it wrong. Yeah, doesn't happen often, but it does. How
0: does it um How does it account for bounce, and how does it know that what sort of pitch we're dealing with? You know, does it take an average, in terms of you know bounce heights and stuff going past the batsman? I is that how it formulates it? Because I've seen ones where guys have been basically trapped in front. Yep. and off a spinner, for instance. And I know it's just from trolling YouTube videos of, of umpiring decisions and angry indian fans and and so forth you know having a go but um okay so as an example there's a a guy played forward hit him pretty adjacent It was given not out initially because he thought it was turning down the leg side the only thing wrong with it was the height but it was a flat i mean you know it was a bunsen burner as we'd call in the old days it wasn't going i can't see it having significant bounce they weren't playing at the whack or anything like that how does it you know what i'm saying is how does DRS make that dis- determination that the ball would have bounced that much? Does it have to create an average bounce height or is that part of the algorithm?
1: I would imagine it is. You I, would? I, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Um,
0: and how does it work with, if the pitch is, has variable bounce?
1: Well, I, think I would imagine it's ball by ball yep. um, setup up, yep. so they'll take the pace of the ball into account yep. where it's pitched. Um, what's happened immediately after it's pitched and then continue that angle going Um, I mean you brought up reverse swing um, earlier I think probably the hardest thing I would imagine for the predicted path would be for late swing Mm -hmm. Um, I mean if it's at a batsman for example and it's just started to tail Mm -hmm. how a predicted path will then predict how much it's actually going to tail I think is incredibly difficult would well, be, I yeah. would imagine it is anyway. I'm not a
0: scientist. It's almost black magic, isn't I it? Really, to predict to well, that I think sort of thing. the
1: predictive path becomes a lot, a lot more variable.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. yep. Absolutely. Um, you recently went over to Japan to uh, to umpire in a game. That was sort of at the uh, what level was that? The ICC emerging players sort of uh, emerging teams sort of thing.
1: Yep. So um, Japan was obviously not exactly the hotspot of world cricket, but no. um, there's a place there about an hour and a half north of Tokyo called Sano, and here they're developing cricket as a hub to grow the population and grow the sport mm-hmm. um, and it was for an under 19 world cup qualifier so they had four qualifiers around the world in different regions and the winner of each go through to the under 19 world cup Okay. Um, in South Africa next year and uh, yeah so Japan happened to win that and they were the first team first Japanese cricket team to ever go to any world event So, um, yeah, the game is definitely on the rise there with expats and some ex-baseball players um, getting involved. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where they are in five and ten years' time.
0: Are they putting money into the development or is it...? um...
1: Yeah, a lot of money. I mean, it's backed by the mayor. The local mayor's right behind it. Yep. Um, They're getting sponsorship on board. They just announced their largest sponsorship deal when I was up there last night. Um, And so... Yeah, it's definitely on the up and up. We've got some really good people up there running yep. a really good operation. So,
0: ah, excellent. Yeah. How um, did the game get introduced to Japan? Do you know?
1: I would not have a clue. I'd imagine expats. Yeah. Um, Probably like English. A lot of those sure. countries. Yeah. Um, yeah, expats moving to Japan, and there are quite a few expats. Um, in the Japanese team
0: you get amazed when you do it but umpiring and stuff like that you get amazed with the actual global reach of the game um, you know not obviously the World Cup's just got 10 teams in it and you know much to the chagrin of, of Ireland <laughs> and the like um, but it is played basically every country in the world there is a niche I mean the, there's a you know, little community that will, will play it even in the smallest places. I spoke with a guy who was involved with France cricket, actually. Again, a lot of expats and expat um, uh, people from the subcontinent involved in the game. But I was amazed how many teams they had. He said they had about 12 teams um, in the the, the sort of provincial competition they have.
1: Well, what a lot of people don't know is that the ICC actually run what they call um, the World Division Cricket. So they've got, I think there's seven divisions. It's Mm -hmm. World League Cricket. (laughs) <laughs> and so Afghanistan's probably the latest example of them coming through from the very bottom. Yeah. They start in at the very very bottom, and if they win that, they go to the next division the next year, and the next division the next year. Yep. And as long as they keep winning, they'll get all the way through. So. How many divisions to, are there? Seven. I th- seven. I think it's okay. seven. So either six or seven. So. It's it's a and you get I mean teams from all over the world. Well, every, pretty much every country who plays any sort of cricket is involved. Yeah. Um, a lot of money put into it, and teams like Afghanistan, who are now at the World Cup, have come through that system. Yeah. Very successful. And.
0: Uh, I suppose they had some geographical advantage in, in terms of their proximity to Pakistan and so forth, didn't they? So, what I mean is, there would have been an overflow. The game would have would have crossed borders a, a lot easier there, wouldn't it? I would imagine so. Um, yeah
1: yeah it's probably not a part of the world i'd be wanting to venture into too, too often but um <laughs> no. i'd imagine that's absolutely well great. that could be your
0: next gig you could end up over there in the, some sort of t20 league on the in the yeah, himalayas absolutely. or something nepal t20 maybe yeah
1: well actually nepal's huge in cricket it's
0: yeah i've heard that yeah
1: and it's growing incredibly quickly so um, i was just working with a nepalese umpire over in japan yep and, um, who's uh on the way up and done a great job so yep. yeah that's cricket's everywhere
0: yeah absolutely well, that's good to hear because uh, baseball is is the more well the prevalent sport for, in japan isn't it and in south korea and that sort of region introduced probably from servicemen in okinawa and after the war and that sort of thing i, I suspect i don't know the history of the baseball in the area but it's good to see another sport getting a foothold anyway yeah uh, in this absolutely. case obviously cricket yep. um Teams coming to New Zealand this coming summer, England's coming very early, almost in the spring, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I think the first uh, T20s on the 1st of November.
0: Now, Plastridge. they're on their way to South Africa, aren't they? But they're not on their way because they're coming here. I think they're going to South Africa afterwards, from I what England, I you're yeah, about? England, Yeah, England, yeah. I wouldn't know. Yeah, I right. think I was told they were. Okay. Um, this is all leading into the T20 uh, World Cup in, in Australia the following it's following year isn't it yep. um india coming down again which should be should be good they were here last summer in new zealand and bought bought all the fanfare and so forth that comes with indian cricket <laughs> um they're actually playing a couple of tests new zealand don't ever get two tests so uh, <laughs> it's not much use if it's one one is it uh, and they're playing five t20s on their way down here i was going to ask when india in town i I'm going to assume you umpired India last season at some point versus yes, New Zealand. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, does that come with extra pressure?
1: Um, not really. No. Every game's the same. I mean, it's um, probably the extra pressure game would have been the T20 at Eden Park, which was the first time Eden Park had been sold out since the World Cup mm-hmm. uh, for a game of cricket. And um, obviously, a lot of Indian supporters, and they certainly know how to be loud.
0: Yep. So especially if Donny comes out to bat, or or Coley, or yeah, and it it, yeah.
1: it creates an atmosphere of its own. Um, yep. Being out in the middle, you, it's very difficult to hear. Yep. Anything. Yep. At, at all, um, and that creates its own pressures. Yep. Um, and when you in
0: terms of hearing nicks behind and things like that, and yeah. So yep. then
1: you you kind of almost have to rely on a bit of body language, um, and and obviously your visual yep. rather than. Does
0: beer. does your mate at Square Leg help you out if if he's heard something and you haven't? Is Absolutely. that how it works? hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Okay, excellent. So you know, but you don't want to be sold down the river by him, do you? Well, that's <laughs> we. That's yeah, we I heard I heard each a each massive other. neck off Donny first ball, and he'd be like, "Are you sure? Serious man, are you sure? Just in case, you know, I'd be worried. Eh? I'd be worried. <laughs> you know, the the vocal reception he gets at sort of coming off the field.
1: Yeah, you don't want a million Indians. Uh, <laughs> No, no.
0: Outlets for sure. Uh, there's 13 t20s actually in the next uh new zealand seat. 13 yeah it's a lot jesus and then they're off to uh the box. where well, they got a the boxing day test in australia haven't they so we're playing three tests in australia is that correct that's right yeah yep. okay well I that should be something to do
1: melbourne perth and sydney off the top of my head
0: yeah yeah and everyone have the usual juggling act of going up to the beach on boxing day or watching new zealand australia at melbourne yeah. Well, these days yep. you can do both, John. Exactly. Well, on your phone, I suppose. That's right. As long as the Wi Fi isn't too sketchy, sort of <laughs> up, up north, probably okay. Oh, that's excellent. um What do you do in your time off umpiring? You, you said you were doing some stuff around the house. Is there any other interests? I know you're a keen golfer.
1: Yeah, I play a bit of golf. um yep. Play a lot of squash at the moment. Mm-hmm. squash three times a week. I find it's. Really good for aerobic fitness. That's a sweaty
0: game, squash, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, no.
1: Yeah, an hour on the squash court was um, about as good a aerobic workout I reckon as you can get.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Oh, do a little bit of gym work.
0: Yep. Um. Anything and, specific? Do the umpires get given a, a fitness program or?
1: Um. Well, I, I don't. But no. you can do. um Through yep. New Zealand cricket, they will. They'll give you programs. I mean, I've been through a few sessions and workshops and stuff in the past. Yep. Uh, a lot of stretching routines and things like that um, as the body gets older it gets a bit <laughs> less, less flexible um, yep. and obviously lower back and things like that those sort of key areas if just done. for standing around you know yeah. you're
0: getting those sort of attrition from that
1: yeah so I mean I'm firmly of the belief that the, f- the fitter you are um, physically the fitter you are mentally and the better you'll be as, as an
0: umpire absolutely um, have you ever thought about taking out one of those little golf stalls?
1: I <laughs> well, yeah, have, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, that Because
0: I remember we used to have a teacher when I was at Auckland Grammar and I was about 13 playing for whatever team, and and <laughs> a teacher used to sit on those golf uh, golf chairs all day, and just the ones you stick into the ground, the yeah, pitch ones. Really yeah, air, yeah, I've definitely thought of doing that. That's um, a hell of an idea. Isn't uh, it? I mean, yeah. that wouldn't be part of the game, wouldn't be part of the spirit of the game, would it? Not really. Because a um, ball could hit the, the chair and... <laughs> Prevent a boundary and all these sort of permutations would come into, wouldn't I guess
1: it? so well, balls can an umpire as well, so yeah, yeah. But um, it would be nice if that was if that was the case. What, what
0: about to... your prep? We talked a little bit about the preparation, uh, that you you do the day before when you're meeting with with um, ground officials and TV people and and coaches and so forth. What about on the actual morning before the game? Say we're starting at 10:30, 11 a.m. What are you doing as soon as you get up from there?
1: Um, I pretty much just try and do the same as I do any other morning. Yep. Um, I don't really try to change too much. Some umpires do. Like a lot of a lot of the umpires will just not drink any alcohol the night before, for example. Yep. Um, for me, I'll pretty much always have one glass of wine with dinner, and I'll do the same as that, as I always do. So you can't get rat-ass, though, obviously, <laughs> can you? No, <laughs> no. no definitely not. Um, so I'll, I'll just try not to change too much. Just have breakfast, do what you need to do, make sure you... All your kits in order, everything's ready to go. Um, obviously, nerves are jangling around.
0: Do you double check you've remembered your pants and things like that? Yes. Yeah, you have got to, don't you? Well, do you have a backup pair yeah, as maybe. well? <laughs> what if you, what if you split them on the field or something? What happens then?
1: Uh, I don't know. It's never happened. To be fair. Ah, yeah, you better um, to
0: touch wood because there you go. That, that could happen. It
1: Could maybe I, maybe I should take a second pair from the. Oh, yeah. And if it passed. happens, I can say, well, this is." this is jim's dying.
0: exactly you'll thank me later won't you <laughs> when you got split pants at eden park and you're running off and going you know sorry i'll be back in a minute and the whole crowd would laugh at you and yeah. think about that
1: well black underwear so that always helps it does i suppose yeah yeah you won't be, yeah, be seen too too bad so either. you have
0: thought about it then <laughs> no no <laughs> okay. so you don't want to be wearing woman's underwear accidentally or anything like that if if that's your scene, no just idea. in case that Not happens. My scene, no no. <laughs> um,
1: But no, I wouldn't imagine you'd probably want
0: to. No, absolutely. Oh, well, that's been very concise, I'm uh, <laughs> really interested. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people are in terms of getting involved in umpiring. Um, if someone, obviously we're in Auckland, New Zealand, but, uh, so we can only speak in that regard, but if someone wanted to get involved in umpiring, um, Tell us a little bit about the benefits. Apart from you, who's who's put in the grind and is is umpiring it at an elite level, um, someone wants to umpire, umpire their local club team, or, or best place to start with it the, with their kids on a Saturday morning, something like that. Or,
1: well, there's a few different avenues. One is just that yep. um, you got kids involved in the game. You do a bit of um, age group umpiring, and you think, well, I quite enjoy that. Yep. Kids grow up, and then you can move on into umpiring the more senior grades if you want to. Um, yep. There's obviously ex-players as well yep. um, and more ex-players are being encouraged to get into umpiring as a uh, post-playing career option. Sure. Um, but I mean it's it's not too hard, all you got to do is look up your local association online, yep. find out how to contact, make the phone call. Um, most associations will have weekly or fortnightly meetings, Yep. turn up there, um, obviously do some exam training, laws yep. and knowledge laws and playing conditions that would help wouldn't all it that fascinating stuff <laughs> um, but at the end of the day you've got to know that stuff um, even, you know even yep. at the, the, the core grassroots of the game I
0: know f- I know from um, uh, doing a bit myself that there's there's two types of umpire there's, there's some guys that can quote the the bible of umpiring just verbatim you know the laws law 42 onwards and then there's guys that have to refer to it but I suppose if you've got, you know, but there's two types of umpire, isn't there? There's, there's kind of guys who are a bit more authoritative, you know, and, and good, um, you know, with the ticking the boxes and playing by the rules and stuff. And then there's guys who are better with the man management sort of side of things. It's probably fighting gelling the two together to, for someone in your position, you, you'd really have to gel the two together, wouldn't you? Uh, you've got to be flexible with players' personalities and realize that the game's for them and it's not for you, Correct.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting that the different stages um, of going through umpiring from grassroots cricket, I think, um, while not at the higher levels, um, the expectation is that um, mm-hmm. you are there to umpire the game and the players need to respect it and they need to respect your role in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's
0: nothing worse than an umpire that tells you off all the time
1: no I know that but players behaviour these days when the TV cameras are rolling uh, is generally pretty good Yeah. when the cameras aren't rolling is when you would need to be maybe a bit more flexible and adaptable Yeah. and it's a club level definitely need to be more flexible and adaptable to the yep. situations and um, I mean I've got a saying I've always I'll always be friendly with the players and friends with my mate down the other end rather than the other way around yeah you don't want to get too close. But at yeah. the same time, you're right. You need to be adaptable.
0: It's hard, though, distancing yourself when you're surrounded by the, the same people every week there, aren't you? You know, when you're umpiring the players and so forth, you, you know them kind of socially a little bit as well, don't you?
1: Yeah, well, hopefully you've built up some sort of level of rapport and trust Yeah. that if you get one wrong, that they know it's just hopefully you know, not going to happen too often. Yeah. Um, and they'll get on with it. Yeah. Whether it's, if you, if it's your first game in there, and you've made an error in the third over of the day. Yeah. Um, you've you've got a bit of hard work ahead of
0: you you. <laughs> and sometimes you just feel like the ground could swallow you up, or you feel like you want to be swallowed up by the ground after making a bad one, or do you just put it? Do you just put it to the side, move on?
1: Um, I will always put it to the side. They say park it. Um, and then someone said to me once, the car park's full, which I think is quite funny. But um,
0: and it's it's hard not it's hard to do that when because uh players tend to bring it up you know in the next few overs and you know a guy will you know make a you know he'll hit a boundary or something and they'll say you're doing well for your second innings of the day and yep. things like that sort of to you know to yep. to maximize the situation that's
1: where me. some teamwork can come in so if if it's i know yep. it very rarely happens where you make an error but if yep. it did so happen <laughs> and i was at the other end and i saw a guy having a cracky about that i would yep. be jumping in there and tell him to button it and yeah, get out of yeah, here. Yeah. so I think that really helps um, yep. and, and you're there as a team and uh, there's only a team of two on the field and you've got yep. 22 players to look after so if you're not strong as a team of two um, they will they'll rip you apart in situations like that you've got to work um, together 100% yep.
0: what do you think of the advent of uh, bringing yellow cards and so forth I think from what I've heard they've been brought in some parts of Australia might be using them in, through their own playing system
1: um, we have sort of got a, it's not really a yellow card system, but they've brought in what they call level three and level four offences now, so yep. um, they are part of playing editions, they're not actually part of law, um, so each, each uh, like in first class cricket, they might only have level three, for example, international cricket, level three and four, and it gives the umpire the ability to send a player from the field, And level three for a, a set amount of time, and for level four for the entire match okay Uh, but it's so even if it's a multi it has to be pretty big offense for that you'd have to physically assault an umpire. yeah um or seriously physically assault another player and you'd be gone for the game
0: so when i was playing uh cricket with first year out of school i was playing in a social university set of team and uh, a guy pulled a stump out of the ground and threatened someone with the stump is that is that a level four offense
1: um well, I would probably say that's a level three offence because that's threatening, yep. not actually doing. It. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if he actually physically three.
0: stabbed him, then we're getting into the four tier. Oh, we're aren't definitely we? in the level four. Any any <laughs> okay. kind of
1: physical assault. Um, I don't know of any anyone that's been sent off for a level four offence around the world. No. Um, it's more just a, a backstop, I reckon. Yep. for It is there if it if it needs to happen, if it yep. needs to be implemented, but. Um,
0: because some of those social games you see at the uh, Auckland Domain on a Saturday and so forth can get can get pretty hairy, can't they? You player know, player umpires, yeah, yeah, player umpires have a lot to do with that. But.
1: Oh, see, I mean, I've got a theory um, with player umpires because I think the biggest problem with player umpires is the LBW. Yep. Because um, no one's ever out. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, I don't know whether it would work or not, but I just think if you took the um, took the LBW law out of the game to a point where you can only be out LBW if you're not playing a shot. Okay, so it, I think it has to be there because otherwise you can just shoulder arms to a straight one and keep on batting. Yeah. Um, I think if, you, if you're playing a shot, it, it it can't be out. And I think with player umpires, it would solve a lot of issues.
0: Yep. That's actually the smartest thing I've heard today. Oh, wow. That absolutely yeah, is. That is today, you? you should pitch that to yeah. Auckland Cricket maybe and there <laughs> well, are a few, few less scraps about. on the field this season. <laughs> you know, That's all right. All right, so, well, thanks for joining us today, Wayne. Uh, very enthralling um, and insightful. I'm sure a lot of people don't know what goes on behind closed doors in terms of umpiring and so forth, and and today was a bit of an eye-opener for them, so that was excellent. Um, we just touched on it earlier. Just touched on it earlier. Um, if you do want to get involved in umpiring in Auckland, give Auckland Cricket, give Doug Cowley, umpire administrator, uh, a call. I don't know his phone numbers, but I think his email is... Uh, d.cowie at Auckland Cricket something like that anyway send Doug an email tell him Jim sent you uh, and we'll see if we can see you out in the middle this coming season cheers Wayne. Good day.
1: thanks Jim Good day.